Thank you. Brilliant. So if you've been with us over the last few weeks, um, you'll know that we've been talking about work. Um, and we've been exploring the concept that work is given to us by God, um, that it, whether it's paid or unpaid, that work is good, work is sometimes hard, but that our mindset should be that in all, all our work, that, our, that it is an act of worship to God. And as Will mentioned, today we're coming to the end of the series and reflecting on the Sabbath. And I wonder what the first thought is that comes into your head when you think Sabbath. You might think, day of rest, oh, that would be nice. Sabbath, isn't that something that the Jews do? Well, what day of the week is it anyway? Or isn't it something legalistic and didn't Jesus do away with legalism? First thought that came into my head was, why do you ask me to talk about the Sabbath? <laughs> I don't feel at all uh, the person to talk about the Sabbath. I find it very difficult. We're going to read uh, a passage from uh, the Gospel of Mark. Uh, so that's sort of part way into the New Testament. One of the biographies of Jesus' life. We're looking at Mark chapter 2. Brilliant. Uh, verse 23 to 24. By 27. One Sabbath, Jesus was going through the cornfields. Jesus was going through the grain fields. Okay, um, I'll read this one. And as his disciples walked along, they begin to pick, they began to pick some heads of grain. The Pharisees, the teachers of the law, said to him, Look, why are they doing that? Why are they doing what's unlawful on the Sabbath? He answered them, have you never read what David did when he and his companions were hungry and in need? In the day of Abiathar, the high priest, he entered the house of God and ate the consecrated bread, which is lawful only for the priest to eat, and he also gave some to his companions. Then he said to them, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath, so the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. When I was growing up, if my parents wanted to go somewhere by car on a Sunday or a Monday morning, get this, they had to fill up with petrol on Saturday. There were no petrol stations open on a Sunday. Can you imagine? There were no shops open to get the final ingredients for Sunday lunch if you'd forgotten to get them. No sports fixtures. Roll on 50 years and times have changed. With the, uh, the trade lords for shopping on a Sunday, things are not what they used to be. Uh, and shopping has become the number one activity, I'm sad to say, on a Sunday. And at times it's hard to differentiate between Sunday and another day of the week. But Sunday, even though it's the seventh day of the week, is not the same thing as a Sabbath. And actually, while we're there, a day off is not the same thing as a Sabbath. A day off is when we're not in work. There are still lots of jobs to do. Ask any member of my family, and they will tell you, I love lists. And if I'm not writing a list for myself, I'm writing one for my husband <laughs> or for my children. 
But there is a difference between a Sabbath and a day off, and it's to do with intentionality. Before we look at what Jesus said about the Sabbath and what Sabbath might mean to us, let's have a quick look at where this whole thing came from. If you have a Bible, we're right at the beginning now, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 2. Brilliant, thank you. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. And then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on, because on it, he rested from all the work of creating he had been doing. The word Sabbath, Shabbat, from its root, means to cease, to end, to rest. After creating the world for seven days, God finished the work and he rested. Sabbath, then, is written into the rhythm of creation. And whatever our understanding of the Genesis account of creation it clearly indicates a rhythm that enables us to thrive. We're made in God's image and God's rhythm. Six days of work, then rest on the seventh. And God rested not because he was tired, but so he could enjoy what he had created. It was good. It was very good. And he delighted. Last February, during the height of COVID and travel restrictions, uh, Luke and I decided to uh, redo our back garden. We've always inherited gardens. We've never actually planned them or created them ourselves. Uh, and our back garden, well, charming courtyard, as the estate agent called it, was looking a little bit tired and a bit leggy, and all the plants needed to come out. So. Uh, in the pouring rain, it became very muddy, we dug everything out, we planned and we created uh, a wonderful back garden. It was hard, muddy work, and we were exhausted at the end. But at the end, we couldn't help going back and looking and delighting in, in what we had created. And of course, we rested. We were pretty exhausted. There is something about delighting on this day when something has been created or established in the rhythm of Sabbath and creation. I won't digress too much to talk about social experiments that have tried to change the pattern. After the French Revolution and the Russian Revolution, they tried to extend the working week to, to 13 days uh, and ended in exhaustion, ineffectiveness and eventual failure. Six days on, one day off. We're not meant to run 24-7. There's a rhythm in nature. There's a rhythm in our bodies. We sleep. We need to rest and restore. H.H. Uh, Farmer, who's a theologian and a philosopher, says, if you go against the rhythm of creation, you get splinters. We see in Exodus uh, that that the, uh, the Sabbath was uh, a rhythm before the Ten Commandments. When, when the Israelites were in the wilderness, when they'd come out of Egypt, they, uh, they grumbled to God, and God said, okay, all right, I hear you. I will give you manna, their daily bread. 
So six days a week, they were to go out and collect the manna, but on the sixth day, they were to collect twice the amount because on the seventh, they would rest. Some of them still went out looking. I mean, how long does it take to, to understand what God's saying? Six days on, one day off. And we see in Exodus chapter 20 that the uh, Sabbath becomes one of the laws that God hands down to, to Moses. It's the fourth commandment, and interestingly, it's the bridge between three commandments where God is talking about our relationship, our relationship with him, and then six commandments when our relationship with our neighbor. The fourth commandment says this, remember the Sabbath. It's easy to forget it. Remember the Sabbath by keeping it holy. He goes on, six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord. On it you shall do no work, neither you nor your son or your daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath and made it holy. But over time, this gift of wisdom of, of the Sabbath became a list of legalistic rules. In the Torah, that's the, the first five books of the Bible, the Torah, there are 613 rules. That's quite a lot. But around these rules uh, grew an oral tradition, which is called the Mishnah. And another 1,500 rules were added to the Torah. Perhaps you could call it by the religious pol police of the day. The Torah said, don't work, rest, keep, it, keep the day aside. The oral tradition added layer after layer of other rules. Work was separated into 39 different categories. This is what you can do, and this is what you can't do. You can't untie a knot, for example. You can't sew more than one stitch. You can't write more than one letter. A few years ago, we had uh, a neighbor, a couple of doors up on our road, there was a Jewish rabbi and his family, David. Um, it's quite interesting, they, they built a, a tabernacle in their garden for the Feast of Tabernacles, very uh, traditional Jewish family. And there was one Saturday that Luke noticed that uh, the car lights were on. David's car left his car lights on. So he knocked at the door and said, David, you've left your car lights on. And David just stood there. And Luke said, oh, it's the Sabbath. You can't turn your lights off. And David nodded. Oh, said Luke, it's the Sabbath and you can't give me the car keys to, to, turn the, to open the car and turn off the lights, and David said, yep. Awkward silence. So Luke said, oh, but David, if, if I knew where the car keys were, I could open the car, turn your lights off. David nodded, walked into the kitchen, looked at the car keys. Luke picked them up, opened the car, turned the lights off. This is 21st century. 20, yes, 21st century. 
legalism around the Sabbath. The Torah says, keep the Sabbath. Don't work. Set it aside. Remember it. Now, what Jesus is taking issue with is the legalism around what had become of the Sabbath. We see in Mark 25, Jesus is on a walk with his disciples. They stop and they eat, corns, uh, they eat the heads of corn. Nothing unlawful about that in the Torah, but it's breaking the Mishnah rules. And the Pharisees were obviously up in arms about this. I love the way that Jesus answers them. Answers them. Have you never heard or never read what David said? Of course they had. They were the, the religious police. They knew the, the Torah inside out, the New Old Testament inside out. Um, he's provoking them a little bit. He, he's talking about uh, an episode in 1 Samuel when Saul was persecuting David. David was on the run, uh, goes to the temple, eats the consecrated bread unlawful, um, but he wasn't condemned for it. Jesus goes on to say, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath. He restores the Sabbath to its rightful place. It's a gift for all. It's, it's, a, it's intended to be a blessing a time of genuine rest and not something that had to be endured. He had a particular issue with the way that this commandment was being enforced. He didn't say that he'd come to abolish the law, and I don't want to get into necessarily the fulfillment and abolishment of the law. Some people do say that the Sabbath is no longer necessary, and though, although I do struggle to keep it, I don't think that's the case. We see here that Jesus came to fulfill it and restore it to its rightful place. I said earlier that I love making lists. There's always so much to do and things will never be finished. And I'm not good at stopping. But it... A weekend for me is a time off work, but it doesn't mean that I'm necessarily less busy. And this word busy has become, for me, a way that I, I sometimes identify how I am. How are you, Tasha? Yeah, I'm, I'm fine. Busy, really busy. We're constantly on the go. Smartphones haven't helped that. Uh, I know full well that I'm, I'm, I'm very tempted to, to check my emails and uh, actually by preparing this talk, I've deleted my work email from my phone. One layer that I've enabled me to stop. There's such a need for us to stop and to know how to rest. I was really shocked to find when I was reading on this subject that there are more than one million company owners in the UK who never have a summer holiday. 55% of them will take fewer than two weeks a year. And even those who do take time off spend most of their time checking in with work. Corrie ten Boom said, 
If the devil can't make you bad, he'll make you busy. Perhaps some of us need to relearn how to have a rhythm in our life and to slow down. I'm sure that many of you have read this book by John Mark Comer, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, subtitle, How to Stay Emotionally Healthy and Spiritually Alive in the Chaos of the Modern World. I found it inspiring and challenging. But I wonder how often I, we say that about a book, oh yeah, it was really challenging, what's next? He suggests four practices to, to unhurry our lives. Silence and solitude, simplicity, we've spoken about that recently, slowing down, and Sabbath. He and his family have developed a tradition of keeping Sabbath beginning on a Friday night. If you're interested in more on his take of Sabbath, he's preached a whole series on the subject. Go to Bridgetown Church, Portland. Interesting stuff. In his book, he refers to a study of the happiest people on earth. And near the top of the list are a denomination of the Christian church called the Seventh-day Adventists. And what they believe and hold to is on the tin. For them, uh, the seventh day, which is a Saturday, by the way, um, has a big emphasis on rest and refreshment, strengthening relationships with each other and with God. The study noted, and I get this, Seventh-day Adventists live, on average, 10 years longer than the average American. Ten years. They're also vegetarian, but that's, that's another conversation. <laughs> now, a whole day set aside for rest and worship will look different for different people at different stages of their life. Going for a run, for example, for some of us, will be life-giving. For others, it will be sheer hell. As a church family, we've got many people at different stages of life. So I thought uh, I would invite a few people to, to share their thoughts about what Sabbath means to them. So I have uh, a student, I have a working mother, and I have a retired member of that congregation. If you wouldn't mind coming up. We've got a... Thank you. Thanks, Phil. Um, and actually, while they're coming up... I. I also thought, well, what about if we can't, if there is no rhythm in life? My daughter, for example, my eldest daughter, is a, a, a nurse, and for her, there isn't a six days on, one day off. So I said, Colette, what do you do? And she says, well, what I tend to do is I look ahead to see where, which day can be my Sabbath. Uh, and for her, a Sabbath means finding something that will bring her delight. We talked about delight earlier on. Uh, that will build her up, and it's not a day where she does her chores. So, for example, yesterday, uh, she went to a show in London, and that was her delight on her Sabbath. So, um, Polly, it looks like you're first. Okay. <laughs> so, I have a student. Polly, what does Sabbath mean for you, or has meant for you? Uh, yeah, okay. So, I'm in my third year studying at Oxford, um, and in my first year... I 
literally was working all the time, worked myself into the ground, became very unwell towards the end of the year, um, and was basically forced to reassess my relationship with work. Um, and basically throughout my life I realised that I had been very, very driven by my achievements, not only my academic achievements, but just achievement generally. I felt like that really gave me my identity. Um, and I really recognised at that point that if I didn't change the way that I felt about achievement and about work, um, then it would just continue to be unhealthy in the future. Um, and I think at the time, being at Oxford, where it was so countercultural to rest at all, um, and there were so many feelings of guilt that would come from not working all the hours of the day that were available, um, it was very easy to be like, oh, you know, I'll start taking rest when I have more time, when it fits with my schedule, you know, when life's a bit less chaotic, then I'll start taking a Sabbath. But um, I think that just, that sort of mentality kind of is suggesting that Sabbath is something that we have to earn. And that's, that was, I think, really important for me to realise that it's, like Mum said, it's, it's a gift for us, not something that we have to earn by doing enough during the week that we can, you know, give ourselves a day off. Um, and so for me, Sabbath has been um, a choice to acknowledge that my work, my achievement, in whatever form, isn't what makes me who I am, but it's my relationship with God that makes me who I am. Um, and actually that God cares more about the person I'm becoming than what I'm achieving. Um, and, you know, I can't become a person that God wants me to be if I'm focusing all of my attention on my achievements rather than spending time with God. Um, and so I think by taking a Sabbath, I'm really practicing putting God above my achievements. Um, and I'm like acknowledging as well that everything that I do and all of my achievements come from God giving me strength and um, giving me time and energy rather than my own, you know, my own strength. Um, and so it's, it's quite a humbling thing as well to acknowledge that, you know, by working an extra day, I'm not going to achieve anything more if my relationship with God is, you know, not my priority. Um, Thank you. Yeah. Brilliant. Thanks, Paul. Um, and uh, Anne-Marie, who is a, a working mum. Thank you. That's such a funny way to be introduced. Cause <laughs> I am the working you know. mum. Sorry, the <laughs> that's fine. I'm a working mum. No, that's <laughs> fine. Rachel has no joking. Um, do you know what? I was one of those shocking statistics of a company owner who hadn't been able to take more than two weeks mm. a year. Um, so I have a company called Bristol Tutors, um, which I set up 13 years ago. It's a very small company, so it provides um, sort of pupil premium support in schools, private one-to-one -one tuition. Um, and I was it. I was the sole director, ran it day to day. So it was really hard to take rest time in chunks. So we, after a few years of being married, we realized that Robbie's holiday was ticking over from year to year. <laughs> and we were being prompted by his company that he had to take holiday, that he had to take holiday. And I was like, well, how do we do this? So for us, we realized that we needed to take extended weekends because that was a way logistically where I could still keep things manageable because I didn't have an administrator that could man things for me. Um, and for me, the Sabbath has kind of evolved. So like you described, when I grew up, I remember going to church. The city was deserted. There was no shops open. 
it was calm, it was peaceful. And my mum's horror at Sunday trading, and that really struck me as a sort of national shift away from keeping the Sabbath. So Sabbath is Sunday for me, and it is precious, and it is something that I hold dear. Um, and the way that that's worked out over the years has, has changed massively. Um, in the early years of our marriage, it was very much about going for hikes and going out and having adventure and having fun. Um, since becoming a mum, um, it's just my day off. <laughs> I'm not the responsible adult in the house on a Sunday. <laughs> Robbie takes over chief parent duties, which I have checked with him, and he does find restful, so that's okay. <laughs> I did check with him last night. I was like, it's all right for you to be like on point on Sundays, isn't it? He was like, yeah, because he doesn't get to see us so much in the week. So I think Sabbath does evolve, and I've seen it evolve. Um, and like you described, you know, it, it, the whole kind of taking big chunks of rest can be a challenge for lots of people in different professions. Um, but Sunday is sacred, and for me, it's very much it's how we're built. It's a blessing, and honestly, it's what's kind of kept me going for the last three years. It's the day where I have permission to collapse if I have to and have a sofa day and lie in and not come to church and you know it's my metaphorical somebody joked this morning that my eye makeup looked nice and then my toddler's newly into makeup which accidentally makes me look better at mum's groups because she's like a lipstick mummy and mascara mummy and um, <laughs> um but there's a bit of a metaphor about during the week we kind of have to do game face and makeup and be on performance mode and perform and hold it all together. And Sunday's also a day where you kind of have permission to rest and enjoy, but also take off game face mm -hmm. and, and just be real with God and with what your needs are. And that's a blessing. Brilliant. Thank you. Thanks so much. Thank you. And, and finally, fresh off the slopes, we have, we have our token recently retired person. Thank you. Um, yes. Um, uh, well, I'm the museum piece um, that's been asked to come up. Um, and because um, I used to go, I was brought up as a Scottish covenanter in a farm in Northern Ireland where between 11 and 5 I spent four hours in church. And the other two hours were eating, discussing the sermon and dissecting it and destroying the minister. Um, so I did an awful lot of, uh, well, I hated S Sabbath. It was a dreadful, dreadful time. You weren't allowed to play, you weren't allowed to watch TV. It all seemed to be a long list of what you couldn't do. And it seemed that anything that constituted pleasure was banned. Um, and uh, so it, it, is, it is terrible that it, things have changed and that the world has forgotten the Sabbath. But I think it's great in many ways because it gives us an opportunity to be different. Mm. It gives us an opportunity to, to actually just... Well, it's, it's the maker's instructions, that's the way I feel. Um, you buy a product and you get a guarantee, but only if you follow the maker's instructions. And it's the same with the covenant. If you want God to walk with you and stick with you, you don't have to read the Bible for very long to realize the Sabbath is important. If you're going to produce ten rules for life, you wouldn't expect one of them to be to keep a day in the week special. But it's the longest command that we have, and it's referred to throughout Scripture, and it's key. And for all of you who are working... Um, to say this, keeping the Sabbath was probably the single biggest thing to help me be successful in work. It was tough, 
It was, it required, but it was absolutely essential. It kept you sane. It is so important to do it. You can never be too busy to have a Sabbath because you will unfortunately be frequently too busy to have a quiet time. That happens to all of us at times. Retirement, that's the tricky thing for me <laughs> because life is one just eternal Sabbath almost. Um, <laughs> Resting. If any retired person says, you, I don't know what you do, I'm busier than I was when I was at work, that is utter rubbish. <laughs> if you work like you really worked, anything that you need to do in a week, you do in a day, and you'd have the rest of the week off. And I really think that that's where I'm struggling, because in some ways what the Sabbath's doing for me now is challenging me as to what I'm doing with my life in the other six days. Because if I don't need Sabbath... The challenge is, well, what were you doing in the other six days that you just rolled up here so chilled out of? So for me, keeping Sabbath is essential so I can understand what I'm meant to be doing in the other six. Brilliant. Alan, thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks, Phil. Fantastic. It's so important that we hear each other's stories regularly. So Sabbath means different things to different people at different stages of life, but the essence of we've heard is the same. It's a time to slow down, to take time to rest, to refocus, to delight, and to be with God. A practice, uh, and ironically, that it probably is something that needs working at. Sabbath was made for man not man for the Sabbath. I'm going to end by uh, reading a, sh a short quotation from the theologian Dallas Willard um, and then just give us a moment to, to reflect, a moment to listen. What is God saying to me amidst all this about how I work and about how I rest? Dallas Willard says this, the most important thing in your life is not what you do. It's who you become. And that's what you will take into eternity. Let's just take a moment to reflect on that. most important thing in your life is not what you do, it's who you become. That's what you will take with you into eternity. <laughs>